Hello and welcome to the ADHD Impact Podcast. I'm Becca Brighty, business psychologist and ADHD coach who received an ADHD diagnosis at the age of 34. I've since used my professional training to understand how the ADHD brain functions and use that information to change the way I work. The purpose of this podcast is to help people to see how they can harness their ADHD brain so that they can make the impact in the world that they know that they can and to help those working with ADHD is to create environments that help everyone thrive at work. So today's guest is Shelley Farnham, who by profession is an ADHD, ADHD, I should be able to say that, ADHD and autism family mentor. And she supports parents to see the positive differences that they can make for their child or teen, even when they are struggling to access diagnosis or services. So to me, Shelley's someone who's played a big part in where I am today. So as well as my ADHD, I've got a light processing disorder called Erlen syndrome that Shelley screened me for. She actually also came and picked me up off the metro because at the time I had a sore back and she didn't want me to miss my appointment, which was very kind. Yeah, so she was the first person who told me, yes, you probably do have this thing called Erlen syndrome, um, which I will create a, um, I'll put a link in the show notes where you can find out more information about that. It's very common within um, the neurodivergent community, but it's also the best kept secret. But once you find out about it, it is a game changer. So she then gave me these filters for my computer. And when I first used them, I was like, ah, oh, I can read so fast and I've got so much energy. She also has answered lots of little questions and worries about for me via LinkedIn over the years, going through the whole diagnosis and questions I had around that. And then also my daughter, um, Lily, I'm constantly messaging Shelley with just asking for opinions um, because Lily, who was only three, um, she well, she's young, so she's not diagnosed with anything, but she's definitely wired differently. And so when Lily was having a hard time adjusting some big changes that happened in our lives, we had a session, me and my husband had a session with Shelley and that made some real, real, real difference um, for our understanding of Lily. So, hi, Shelley. Welcome hi. to the hi, ADHD Becca. Impact Podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, yeah, it's been such a pleasure knowing you. It's my absolute privilege and pleasure. Oh, that's lovely. So, the reason why I asked you to be a guest on the show is because of my experience of being a working parent of a child who's wired differently. Um, so, I just mentioned Lily then. And um, I don't know whether she has a specific condition, but I do know that she is wired um, differently she's very sensitive to different senses We've, we did with a play therapist a sensory profile and she's um, got this very sounds like a not very difficult combination of very um, affected by her senses but also very sensory seeking so she seeks all the stimulation but then she at the same time is being overwhelmed by the stimulation and so being her mum is an absolute gift she's the most enthusiastic cute funny talkative curious child that I've ever met and she's 100% herself. Like, I'm just like, wow, Like I wish I could still be like that. Like, she's just so, like, within our family, we have a saying of which is, um, that's so Lily. As in, that means, like, oh, she's, like, just wild and wonderful and, like, free. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Really gorgeous. And having met her, I can just definitely testify to the cute. She wouldn't talk to me, but she's very cute to look at. <laughs> she, little curly hair. And, gorgeous. Yeah, she's yeah. adorable. Yeah. Um, so there's so many wonderful things that go along with a child who's wired differently. But as a professional, something I'd never considered before I entered this whole world of neurodiversity is how careful I have to be with my work. Mm -hmm. Because if I work too much, that means I don't have enough time to be with her. And yeah. that's really important for yeah. keeping her regulated. She can't go to nursery 
more than three days a week, okay. um, which is something that a lot of people would never have to consider, yeah. is if I ever need to do anything, it's more than three days a week, a family member would need to look after her, yeah. and I couldn't do that two weeks in a row, yeah. for example. This is something that I don't ever hear being talked about. Yeah. The challenges of being a working parent to a neurodivergent child, mm -hmm. um, and that is exactly what you spend your life doing so I just wanted to give our listeners the benefit of your knowledge and your expertise that I was lucky to come across so first of all if you can just tell me uh, a bit about yourself and why you set up your business complex connections sure um so yeah my uh, my business came out of my personal story um my son who's now 18 um, is diagnosed ADHD and autistic but there was a long time when we didn't know what the diagnosis was so we saw the difficulties we saw the anxiety as a teacher, you would have thought I had some knowledge of neurodiversity and neurodivergence, and I really didn't have a very good knowledge. So I didn't pick up on the fact that what he was going through at school was that. Mm -hmm. No teacher or anybody ever said that to me. But when he got to be about nine or ten, and in Northumberland at the time we had middle school, he went to middle school, and that was an absolute game changer for him. Mm -hmm. So the difference between primary school or, or first school, as we mm -hmm. had it there, where they were one teacher one classroom one set of kind of mm. expectations and then he went to middle school and they had to change classrooms for subjects and he had to organize his his bag take the right clothes etc etc and for him that was an absolute honestly I can I can literally say it was a disaster for him he went mm. from achieving really high academically to not achieving very well he was all over the place he just that organization was mm. just too much for him and it was at that point that I kind of started going oh I wonder if there's something else here we'd always mm. been told lack of concentration lack of focus um, I actually had him tested for dyslexia mm -hmm. because they said that he was struggling with his writing and that kind of thing um, anyway to cut a long story short from that time um, it was a few years before we actually got the ADHD diagnosis um, by which time he was struggling a lot more high school was then more of a struggle and then he um, got his autism diagnosis as well mm -hmm. so it's very much from my own personal experience of going through all of that with very little understanding mm -hmm. very little support because this was kind of before the days of Facebook groups and all of that that we have now but I didn't I reached out in all kinds of places and couldn't find anywhere that I could go to talk to somebody about this mm -hmm. and it's not the kind of conversation you have on the playground with all the other moms and dads mm -hmm. you know you there's a, a huge sense of overwhelm at times isolation guilt in some ways because you think it must be all down to your parenting mm -hmm. what are you doing wrong um, and when we did get the diagnosis and I because I had reached out, couldn't really find, you know, a lot of support. I kind of decided, right, I'm going on my own journey. I'm going to find out everything I can find out. And being a, a voracious learner, mm -hmm. I uh, I love learning about new things. So I have learned everything that I could about ADHD and then obviously autism as well. Mm -hmm. um, and that understanding was a real game changer for me. Mm -hmm. When I knew differently, I could do differently. Mm -hmm. So understanding that his behavior was not naughty or avoid or lazy or any of the other uh, kind of labels that we put on these children and um, that he was really struggling in that situation mm -hmm. that made a massive difference for me 
And as is typical in many families, I kind of did all of that learning. My husband was a bit more, no, we just have to, you know, the consequences mm-hmm. and then that kind of mm-hmm. thing, which is the way we were brought up. Um, but bit by bit, he could see the difference it made when I was responding differently to Daniel. Mm-hmm. And Daniel then was responding differently back again. Mm -hmm. It was just the dynamics changed completely. And we had lost a lot of connection with Daniel. I really felt very disconnected from him. There was a lot of conflict in our house. You know, just that kind of, I need you to do this. I need you to go there. Your homework isn't Mm -hmm. getting done. That caused conflict between Wayne and I. So there was a lot going on, a lot of disconnection. And when we bit by bit, understood more, did things differently, the dynamics changed and made a massive difference for us now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can honestly say I have a brilliant connection with Daniel now, um, even though he is 18, um, you know, Mm -hmm. at the time when a lot of, he's very independent, an independent thinker going off to uni now. But um, but yeah, that connection has been the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And, And definitely with my experience with Lily, that once you start acting differently to them, you see yeah. it from that different perspective of yeah. they're not being difficult. Like there's some no. issue for them. Absolutely. And you don't know always know what it is. Yeah. Like I remember being in a park with Lily and she started coming over and like, that boy wants to play with me. And then yeah. she wouldn't like get off a swing and stuff. And I think before I'd known about all this stuff, I would have mm. thought she was being naughty and be like, well, if the boy wants to talk to you, you yeah. need to talk to yeah. him. And you have to share the swing and stuff. Whereas as it was, yeah. I was thinking, there's something about this environment. Yes. And it was a re- it was a Saturday. It was a sunny Saturday. It was a really busy, busy park. Yeah. And I was like, do you want to go? Yeah. And then she was like, yeah. 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 And so she, she just didn't have the language to tell you, but something was going on. And if you hadn't understood that, you, you wouldn't have picked up on that, which would have mm-hmm. been a game changer because you more than likely would have said, go back, share, whatever. And that would have probably led to her being really dysregulated mm-hmm. then maybe you being upset and so a whole different change of circumstances isn't it yeah it's so yeah. like once you tune into it it's yeah. so amazing because yeah. like that situation yeah. we just left and we went and we had a lovely day and yeah. we went to yeah. the to the to the metro center and went to Wagamama by from my memory yes. which was lovely instead of it turning into her having a meltdown me getting really stressed out because yeah. she's having a meltdown me thinking like what why is she being so difficult yeah. what am I doing wrong as a yeah. parent yeah it was like something in the environment that she does not like yeah. let's just remove ourselves absolutely and go on about our nice lovely yeah. day together yeah and we'll had a lovely time yeah. so what that a little just that change in perspective is mm. so helpful mm. and so in your experience what would you say the main challenges are that parents of neurodivergent children come across that you wouldn't typically see in parents of neurotypical children? I think going back to that whole thing of feeling that guilt, um, I think there's a lot, you you feel extra pressure. You also feel a lot of judgment from other people, from other mm-hmm. parents. So it's that feeling of, well, everybody else seems to be managing, everybody else's child is doing what, they, what we think they should be doing. All the other children mm-hmm. in the class are managing that on their own why isn't my child Mm -hmm. what am I doing wrong it's Mm -hmm. all that spiral around blaming yourself feeling isolated because you don't really want to be talking about it to other parents Mm -hmm. Um, so you kind of do isolate yourself and also almost not knowing what to do about it Mm -hmm. so it's I think it's a a very easy spiral to get into and I definitely did Mm -hmm. and I would you know, when I, I can remember going to the school gates and it was like, Mrs. Farnham, can I just have a word? And Oh, I was expecting it every time they <laughs> yeah. came out. So I would hang back from other parents. I didn't didn't involve myself in those things mm. because you feel just a little bit embarrassed if that's, you know, if, the, if I can think of it like mm-hmm. that. Um, and looking back, 
you know, there's so many things I would do differently, so many ways I would explain to the teacher what was going on differently for Daniel. I wish I'd known it all back then mm -hmm. when he was kind of year one, year two, year three. Um, it went on such a long time before I had that understanding. That in itself gives you guilt. Well, you know, as a parent, you feel guilty about everything. <laughs> but that in itself brings up feelings of guilt. And very often with the parents that I talk to, that's a feeling that they had. I wish I'd known differently before. I wish I'd mm -hmm. done differently. And actually, we have to let go of that guilt and we have to go, but now I do know differently and now I can do differently. And it's never too late. Mm -hmm. You know, there's mm -hmm. always things that you can do differently. So I think for, for those parents as well, you talked about Lily going to nursery and having to um, kind of plan your time a lot more carefully. I think that's really, you know, a, a big thing that possibly other parents don't have to think about. Not only time, but it's energy as well, because mm -hmm. you have to make sure that you're in a place where you can deal with those things and think clearly. Mm -hmm. I think when we're overwhelmed or stressed or tired, it's much more difficult for us to go, oh, I know what's going on here. We, mm -hmm. we haven't got that curious approach. We tend to then revert to our stress responses, don't we? Mm -hmm. So we have to be able to manage our energy. Um, and that's a lot easier said than done. Mm -hmm. But it's really important that we are in that state and in that place of regulation ourselves so that we can be curious and make good choices and do what's best for our child in that situation and not be triggered by it ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big thing that, you know, isn't necessarily spoken about with parents, but they feel that pressure for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. And so you're talking about regulation there. One of the, the added layers that... Um, that often plays out in these situations is that the herit heritability, is that the right word? Yes. Of neurodivergence. Yeah. So it's that often, um, so I think it's up to 50% chance that if you have ADHD, your child will. So mm. you're looking at probably at least half of these children are then yeah. being parented by parents with ADHD mm. or some other form of neurodivergence. Emotional dysregulation is yeah. a massive aspect mm. of ADHD. So you've got this more difficult, yeah. dysregulated child being parented by a parent who struggles with regulation. Yeah. I don't even know what my question is. I'm just like, <laughs> can you talk to that about yeah. that experience and how that how you see that play out? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. It's just another layer. Um, and I can speak from personal experience. I wasn't diagnosed with my ADHD until a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. So the whole way through Daniel's childhood, I was an ADHD -er mm -hmm. trying to parent an ADHD autistic child. Mm -hmm. um, and Again, that adds to those layers because I would berate myself for not being able to be very consistent with things. We would come up with, in, in the times when I believed that reward charts and that were helpful, mm -hmm. we would come up with the most amazing schemes and I couldn't keep it going and neither could Daniel. Mm -hmm. And I blamed myself for that a lot. So that consistency was a big thing. Exactly like you say, emotional regulation, one of those executive functions, which we know are affected by ADHD and autism. Um, so emotional regulation regulation is a difficult one and I tend not to be a kind of a fight or flight well flight to a degree but I tend to be a freeze person mm -hmm. so I very much go into my shell when I feel overwhelmed mm -hmm. want to disconnect from other people don't want to interact that's not particularly helpful when you've got a child who's struggling mm -hmm. so for me that is still an ongoing battle to make sure that I don't go into my kind of default response when I'm stressed and I'm able to keep that connection 
you know, going with Daniel, because at the end of the day, you know, we're the adults and they're the children, and we are the ones who set that tone in the home. We are the ones that kind of put that that ethos out of how things are going to be. Um, and if we don't do it in that way that that um, embraces connection and nurtures connection, mm-hmm. it's very difficult for our children to do that. So, so yeah, there is a lot of onus on us, and I think that's a really, you know, just that added layer, like you say, of difficulty. And so how do you do that? What do you teach parents? How how do they? <laughs> Shall I tell you what I teach parents and then what I do? <laughs> yeah, let's let's get the inside scoop. So yeah. what do you teach the fella and then what do you actually, actually what do? do, you do? <laughs> I mean, for me, I say to parents, in order to get that regulation, you need self care. And, and that's not a word that I use lightly because self-care brings up images of bubble baths and spa days and things which are inaccessible to most of us most of the time. It's finding those little things that keep us regulated, whether that be a five-minute cup of coffee in the garden in the morning, whether that be three deep breaths behind the door before you actually interact with your child. But you need, and I think a big part of that regulation is support for parents as well. Mm -hmm. They need to feel seen and heard Mm -hmm. and not experience that isolation and overwhelm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's so important to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. If we can talk to other parents and not feel like we're the only one experiencing this and we're not the only one and we're not the worst parents in the world, it, it brings so much comfort and so much gives you that resilience to go, okay, this isn't all on me. I can do things differently here. And that's all you need. You need that hope of I can do it differently. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that regulation for parents comes from regular regulation, you know, keeping going with what regulates you, but also having a few little tools that you can use in the moment. Mm -hmm. Because like it or not, you are going to be triggered by your child. And in that moment, you've got to be able to step back take those deep breaths and reconsider how you're going to approach it. Mm-hmm. If we react with our stress response, we've talked already about how that just does not help the situation. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing to say straight away is there is absolutely no way on earth that any of us are never going to react like that. We are. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it. We're going to, you know, be impatient or say something that we later wish that we hadn't. That's a given. But there's always, when you've got that connection, there's that opportunity to go back to your child and make that repair. Mm -hmm. And that models to your child that life Mm -hmm. isn't perfect and we can go back on things and we can make things different. So I think think for parents that regulation is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, As a typical ADHD, I'm not very good at (laughs) (laughs) self-care. So making that time and you know, trying to build a business and all of that kind of thing, it's it's another layer of difficulty because I would have to say one of my executive functions that's not the strongest is my timekeeping. Mm-hmm. So things take me much longer than I anticipate. I struggle to kind of plan and prioritize that kind of thing. So I always am running out of time mm-hmm. in one way or another. And that's not very not very good for regulation. <laughs> yeah. But I think I've learned to definitely as the years have gone on, you let go of some of the stuff and you maintain if I just keep it in my mind, just stay connected. Mm -hmm. That's it. And I almost filter everything through that. Is this going to maintain and build connection or is it going to damage connection? And if I do that, then I can almost sort the important from the non-important things. Mm -hmm. And that helps me to maintain some regulation and and connection with Daniel. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. 
working on the self-care. <laughs> I think self-care is a tricky one because you do, it does in, like bring about these images of baths with glasses of wine or yeah. reading a book on a beach or whatever it is. But to me now, pre-diagnosis me, how harder I try, I need to try harder, I need to try harder. Mm, mm. Post-diagnosis me is like, if I'm struggling with something, I need to do less. Yes. It's like the opposite. Yes. So there's um, a scent diffuser there. Mm-hmm. For me, that's just a little thing. Like, I never thought I would be a person who thought a scent diffuser was an essential item to yeah. take to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it just keeps me, like, in my body. I, like, mm. take a deep breath, smell the lovely, relaxing scent. And it is lovely. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it just, like, relaxes yeah, you yeah, so you can yeah. find, if you can pay attention. Yes, to yes. the little things Absolutely. and notice when people have said this to me for years like oh you need to slow down or you think too much mm. and I was just like no 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 I need to try harder yeah. I need to try harder yeah. I need to do more oh me too exactly but then for me it's actually the, the opposite, opposite yeah. is what has made the massive difference mm. how productive I am and how effective I am and how yeah. well I'm doing in my business yeah. is doing less yeah. it's like yeah. it's mind blowing yeah and so I know with Lily if I'm too stressed, mm. she gets more stressed. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just this cycle. So me and um, my husband, we, um, based on the things we've learned from you and then the play therapist, we're trying to take this different approach. And we went to, um, so these topics seem like a jumble up, but <laughs> that's just the way of my brain. But we went to um, this thing ages ago called Meditating with Horses. Okay. And it's really cool because horses pick up really easily on human emotions yeah, yeah. so if you've got heightened emotion yeah they pick up on it and they're stressy yes and then once so then the whole thing is you've got to really calm yourself down mm. and then the horse like mirrors once you calm down but ah. you can stroke the horse the horse will like lie down with you and stuff ah. once you're calm but that it won't amazing. if you if you're yeah. stressy yeah, yeah. as a person who's scared of large animals <laughs> i was obviously like the yeah. horse was just like panicking yeah. so much when it, it was with me up on your vibes that's so interesting so now when we talk about Lily, we're like, oh, she's like those horses yeah, yeah, yeah. where when we're stressed, yeah. she's like the stressy horse. Mm-hmm. But then if we can calm down, yeah. then she calms down with oh, that's us. That's such a good image. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I think I'm going to mention that if you don't mind, because when I yeah. talk to parents, often we talk about that co-regulation and there's co-regulation and I think there's co-escalation as mm-hmm. well. So literally your child is picking up on your nervous system. Um, I mean, that's based on neuroscience science isn't it we we see what's happening in other people's faces eyes the movements that their body's making you know what that signal is that their nervous system is giving off and our children absolutely pick up on that obviously we pick up on theirs as well but we've got to be regulated enough to be able to kind of counterbalance that and go okay I can see they're really stressed let me not get that way Mm -hmm. you know let me and I think it's just I loved what you talked about with those mindful moments. I think it is sometimes just that literally just grounding yourself, smelling something, feeling your breath or something small like that. I'm learning more and more, probably as a person who is disconnected from her body Mm -hmm. forever, Mm -hmm. um, learning the importance of just having that mind-body connection um, and feeling it in your body and the regulation that can bring Mm -hmm. is absolutely huge. Yeah. yeah, it is really amazing because I've always been a person of like, yeah, I don't, I don't have time for meditating yeah. and like yeah. being <laughs> breathing slowly. I need to do everything really quick. Yes. But now I'm yes. actually seeing the value. Like, of the that. value. I yeah. still can't meditate, but I can go on like a meditation walk yes. or something like that. Yes. So, in terms of the 
the co-regulation and the picking up on feelings of other people. I know that's something that we just do as human beings, but Lily seems insanely perceptive mm-hmm. to um, other people's emotions. Even when I'll be in like a bit of a something sad will have happened for me yeah. and she'll come to me and say, oh, mommy, are you sad? And give yeah. me a cuddle. And I'm yeah. like, I've been in the room for 30 seconds. How, yeah. <laughs> how yeah. do you know this? You're three years old. Yeah. Do ADHD children have that more? I, I definitely think there's that hypersensitivity. I think it goes with those sensory sensitivities. There is that hypersensitivity. Now, I guess, you know, there's lots of research that maybe says that's how you're born. Is it because they've maybe had to kind of live with a little bit more threat, you know, as their brain has developed because they are neurodivergent? I can definitely say Daniel was exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And you know how you always hear oh, autistic children don't pick up on, on things around them. He absolutely would do exactly the same. And he'd come to me and say... I mean, he was maybe seven or eight at the time. Is everything okay? And something wasn't okay, but I felt like I was I was getting on with things and doing things. And I'd say, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. He said, are you sure? Because you don't seem okay. That blew my mind because mm-hmm. he would pick up on that. Where his neurotypical sister, she never ever said anything like that mm-hmm. to me. So in my mind, he is that hypersensitive. Whether it was... I think that the threat possibly had something because obviously by the time he was that age, he had seen that certain things with him caused distress for me. So whether Mm. it was that learned behavior, who knows? Mm -hmm. But I definitely think there's a hypersensitivity in a lot of neurodivergent people. Mm. Um, And I think we, we take on a lot of emotions from other people. You know, the whole thing of being drained when you've been in a crowd Mm. or, you know, having to, to have more time on your own to rest or whatever. I think it's all linked to that. I think that we definitely do pick up on those things more. What it is with the brain structure exactly, I don't know, but I definitely feel that that is something. I guess it makes sense if you think of the fact that ADHD people in general are just more sensitive mm-hmm. to things, so to to all the senses. Yeah, yeah. If you're just more sensitive to the world, yeah. why wouldn't you be more sensitive to, to emotions? emotions? Absolutely. It makes perfect sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, I learned something on this course I'm doing about, um, so you know the thing about how people with ADHD, well, neurodivergent people will have an interest-based wiring, yes. where they'll do something that's interesting, whereas neurotypical people have an importance-based wiring, like, this is important, so I'm going to do it. Yes, yes. And on the course, they um, taught me that emotion is interesting. Ah. So it makes sense. Yeah. I'm just working this all through. Yes, it yes. makes sense that if you've got an interest-based wiring as someone with ADHD, I don't know how it shows mm. up in different other conditions, but if you are wired for interest, emotions are, and are interesting, yeah. then you would pick up on them. Yeah, well, that, that really <laughs> makes sense, doesn't it? An importance-based with, with maybe more of a neurotypical brain, it's almost more on the what makes progress, what mm-hmm. do I need to do, what, are, what do I need to achieve, more than, you know, focusing on those other things. So, yeah, that does make sense, doesn't mm-hmm. it? I've never heard it described exactly like that, and it's a really mm-hmm. good description. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so I, I often give the example of, like, so a neurotypical person will walk into um, the hall where the laundry basket is and mm. see the laundry basket overflowing and think, I need to wash the laundry, then they'll go and wash the laundry. Yeah. The neurod- the ADHD person will say, oh, the laundry's overflowing, I need to do that. Oh, I could put some pictures up here. Yeah. I'll go into the garage, I'll get the things, and then they'll come back and they're like, oh, I'm going to have a snack. And yes. then at the end of the day, the laundry's <laughs> not done. There's three pictures up on the wall. That's mm-hmm. all the, <laughs> the tools are out of the shed. And the laundry's still and there. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. on the, or, not, or like, further. That just down the stairs yeah, in the yeah, hall, yeah, um, yeah. and it's because that 
that the importance of something isn't what is going to make you do it. Mm -hmm. It's what's actually interesting to you in that moment and trying to stay on track with what actually is important. (laughs) Hence my timekeeping difficulties. (laughs) You're just distracted by all these interesting things. things. Yeah, yeah. So emotion being an interest-based, that all makes actually a lot of sense now you've explained it like that. So talking about the difficulties with having ADHD children and working and being conscious about how much you work and how much you're with them there are going to be times in everyone's life so there's times in my life where I do have to work more than three days a week yeah. and there is no one else around so Lily does end up very occasionally because we're like is it worth it mm-hmm. for her for us to send her more days but there are times where she is not with us as much as she would like mm-hmm. what can people do in those times when they know that's going to happen mm-hmm. to reduce the negative impact on their children I'm a big fan of collaboration. Now, with a three-year-old, that looks very different to a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old. But I think there is collaboration to be had with every single child. And I think if we can um, work it out with them that they are involved in it. So, for instance, if you knew you were going to have to work more, having a little conversation around it. Mm. I think a lot of our child's reactions to things in the environment come when they're unprepared for them mm-hmm. and it's out of the blue and it's not something that's normal and regular mm. and predictable. All of, you know, we know our brain re- responds to that. I think the more we can prepare them for things, the more we can have that little conversation with them, maybe work something around it and say, I know that's difficult for you, but what could we do on that day that might make it easier? Mm. Now, again, for a three year old are they going to be able to tell you that possibly not but you may know that what really helps them is if you go straight to the park from nursery let's say Mm -hmm. so you make a special effort on that day to go now I know that today's an extra day of nursery we're going to go to the park straight away after nursery so that you know by the time you get home um, her nervous system's a bit more regulated and there's you know there's Mm -hmm. less chance that there's going to be dysregulation Um, I think that we can't ever have this perfect ideal thing and I don't think it would actually help our children Mm -hmm. to have that I really do think that yes we're trying to meet their needs we're trying to be understanding but at the same time we're trying to help them grow that little bit Mm -hmm. and we grow when we go outside of our comfort zone a Mm -hmm. little bit don't we so Mm -hmm. that little extension of the comfort zone I'm not saying a huge massive leap where we know there's going to be difficulties but that little bit of growth all the time is really important you know if we know that our child prefers staying in their bedroom if it's an older child we can try and work with them collaborate with them and say how can we get you know where can we go for dinner or Mm. can we do this or could we stay there a little bit longer just something that extends their comfort zone that little bit by little bit Mm. done in collaboration with us done with a lot of understanding and compassion and support mm-hmm. I think they can they can grow because we don't want them to be in their bedroom and not want to go anywhere ever mm. so it is just that little bit of pushing mm-hmm. and it's difficult sometimes because as a parent all you want to do is you want to meet their needs and you want to cater to what you know works for them but little bit by little bit if you can just extend their comfort zone I think that's really important mm. so I think it's you know it's an opportunity if you have to do something different it's an opportunity for you to learn for them to learn but do it with them don't Mm -hmm. just spring it on them don't just say oh by the way next week you're there four days not three days Mm. do it bit by bit get them prepared for it Mm -hmm. so it feels more familiar it feels less confrontational and they can then kind of get their heads around it Mm. and and be prepared for the fact that it could be really difficult for them and that's okay and Mm. and kind of don't 
I think sometimes parents don't want to see their children's emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think part of being a parent is saying, it's okay if you have big emotions. I'm Mm -hmm. here for you for that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, none of us want to see a big meltdown or lots of tears or anything. But it's almost being able to hold that space for your child when that happens. Mm -hmm. And actually, do you know what? You'll be okay. You'll get through it, you know. And you can manage these big emotions. It's not that we don't ever want to see them. So I think that's important as well. I love that as a reframe like it's taking this negative thing of like oh I've got to work extra and they're going to be really like upset about it into like Mm -hmm. a positive thing of okay this isn't ideal on a weekly basis but I'm actually going to be teaching you some new skills if these big emotions come out you're going to learn about those big emotions and we can handle them together that's so much more positive way of -hmm. looking at it than this guilt of like oh I'm working extra and especially Mm -hmm. when you're self-employed I choose how much I work Yeah. Like I'm, no one's making me do anything. Yes. So yes. It, there is sometimes guilt, guilt. that goes yeah. along with that. Yeah. Um. So I love that of like it's an opportunity for them to learn skills that they're going to need. Yeah. <laughs> you can't yeah. just as an adult you yes. have to have all those skills and you have to go outside your comfort zone at times and you have to feel big emotions, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of mental health difficulties are people avoiding those big emotions so helping our children go it's okay if you Mm -hmm. feel like that I can handle this I can be there for you and you'll get through the other side Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's something I'm learning now more than I did you know three or five years ago Mm -hmm. as I say somebody who's been quite disconnected from their body and their emotions it's learning that we need to feel them if we don't feel them they stay in there somewhere and they're going to come out at some point so best we feel them and we help our children feel them too Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely that's something that definitely Lily is helping me because as a parent I am like all emotions are fine if you're happy if you're sad if you're angry like it's mm -hmm. how you express them that Mm -hmm. that is what how it matters but Mm -hmm. all emotions are fine but I wasn't necessarily raised like that um I don't think most people were it was like being happy is good yes being sad bad being angry is very unacceptable do not feel angry Um, yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) and seeing that in her is and being like that as a parent is helping me be like that for myself yes so With with Nicola, we were talking about my my last guest on the show that you also know Nicola. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about like the strengths that we see in ADHDers, the strengths that they bring into the workplace. What? How do you see that parenting neurodivergent children? What strengths does that give to parents that they can then take into the workplace? I think for parents, I think your journey with your child if you're willing to embrace those difficulties and go along with it I think it makes you more Mm self-aware so along with that if you can let go of the guilt you can kind of see the 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 strengths you do have to have on that daily basis so that more awareness that curiosity that willingness to change your perspective sometimes as the adults we kind of think oh we should be in control we should know what we're doing you know we we should have mastered all of this And I think a big strength is actually being able to go, do you know what? I'm learning this as I'm going along. Mm. Um, It's not likely that you've got, you know, a whole lot of experience in this area. So you are literally learning with your child and giving yourself that grace and that compassion to actually go, I'm going to mess up at times. That's a given. But let me let me take my strengths from it. You know, I was really 
able to be regulated in that situation and small mm. things as well celebrating in that situation where last week that would have really made me upset I was able to hold that space for my child or you know I was able to get through the morning and I didn't have to raise my voice I was able to do it in a more collaborative way celebrating those small small things and being aware of those strengths that you do bring and modeling those for your child and to me one of the strengths that parents can show their neurodivergent children is very much that thing of repair I might not get it right the first time I might not get it right the 10th time but that's okay I can come back and we can do it again and to me there's not enough of that in our world where mm. children actually know it's okay to mess up and there is a way mm. that there is option B there's always a different thing you can do mm. so having a parent kind of going do you know what I didn't speak to you the way I wish I had can you help me understand more so I can do it differently or you know maybe the next time you could help me to to do that in a different way um, I think it's just such an important thing that is undervalued mm -hmm. um, and we don't have to get it right all the time um, and we, we don't have to be that they, well there's no such thing but we don't have to be any kind of specific parent mm -hmm. we can do it in a way that works for our family um, and let go of other people's judgments and kind of go that might work for their family that's not working for my family I'm going to do it differently and as a person who placed a lot of value on what other people thought for many many years mm. I've realized how damaging that can be because my child might need longer on technology mm -hmm. and that one hour a day or whatever they recommend mm. you know it, it puts all sorts of pressure on you for my child that is a way of de you know getting their regulation back after being at school for six hours mm -hmm. I'm going to let them have that regulation mm -hmm. for one family we have to all eat together at the table let go of that and do what works for you on that mm -hmm. night as long as it maintains connection mm -hmm. at the end of the day do what works for you mm -hmm. um, and I think if parents can have that awareness of themselves they will see those strengths come out um mm -hmm. you know that that ability to make their child feel seen heard and valued mm -hmm. what a strength that is mm -hmm. if you can do that yeah i'm just right seen heard valued love that <laughs> so yes I'm, th I'm thinking about it from like a, a workplace perspective of like why are you then because i think a lot of the time we see these things as negatives like oh they've got um, a neurodivergent child they might have to be off more the mm -hmm. like all the, the child needs this, that and the other. So if we're looking at the strengths that you're actually bringing back to the workplace, mm -hmm. even if we think of it from a manager, the ability to make people feel yeah. seen, heard, valued, yeah. the things you just talked about then about being compassionate, having that self-awareness, being having humility mm -hmm. to apologise, accept that you're getting wrong, might get things wrong, let go of judgment. That sounds like a great recipe for a manager yes. or a colleague. Yes. So these things that we think we learn from either having these conditions ourselves mm. and having to show ourselves those things or mm. try mm. or if we do, we're doing it for children I think yeah. these can translate into amazing absolutely skills to take back into the workforce I think they're just general interpersonal skills aren't they and nothing better than than when you've got a manager who goes I didn't get that right mm -hmm. you know can we think about that again or what's your thoughts on this it is all those kind of skills that we would like to see in the workplace for sure and I think you know, if you if you have that change in awareness for your child, I think you have that change in awareness for everybody around you. Mm -hmm. You're much less judgmental then of people. So if you're managing people or if you've got colleagues that are struggling, you're going to pick up on that a lot, a lot better. Mm -hmm. I think it's just when you change your perspective in one area, it filters through to everything else. 
absolutely yeah and then kind of to the the more negative side um so sometimes and i think and you've touched on this it can feel lonely and like no one understands what you go through as a parent of mm. a neurodivergent child and even though lily's struggles and like not the i don't know you can't like rate them but they're not massive like mm-hmm. she's quite emotional she gets overwhelmed how do you think parenting an ADHD child might hold someone back in their career? I think what happens in your family never goes out of your head. So when you go to work in the morning, you know what's happened that morning. If it's been a difficult um, kind of thing to get your child to go into school, those feelings stay with you, don't mm. they? I can remember I was working in a school at, during kind of the worst times with Daniel and I would go into school feeling absolutely awful. I can literally mm-hmm. remember standing at the photocopier trying to get something done and thinking, how am I going to get through this day because I've put my child into a place that I don't want to be, as in school, etc. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, really, really tough. Um, so I think your personal life can... Your, or your family difficulties can take over, you know, headspace or energy that you might have been able to put into your work. Um, there is the thing of, of you know, having to ask for time off if you have mm. to go for appointments or assessments or access services. You definitely, when you get an appointment through, you definitely make, you move mountains to get to okay. that appointment. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on that slot. Uh-huh. So you really have to, and, and sometimes you do feel awkward going to your boss and saying, I'm really sorry, but can I have this time off? But it is so important important to you have to do it mm-hmm. um I think as well a lot of parents may not be able to work as many hours as in be full-time so there is that financial difficulty that they might experience because mm-hmm. they can't work as many hours as another parent they may have to be on call if their child needs to leave school or they may definitely have to be there for them in the in the afternoon they might not be able to go to an after-school place or mm-hmm. go home with somebody else they might need to be the pe- the person there for them mm-hmm. so I think there's all sorts of ways that it it can feel negative for that parent which of course can add to those feelings of you know the those real difficult feelings of I'm having to do this because of my child it's that constant juggling act Mm -hmm. that's often what I hear from parents it feels like such a juggle I'm supposed to be at work but I'm thinking of my child or I'm waiting for a phone call from someone or I'm worried that school's going to ring and I'm going to have to leave so there's just that constant juggling act I think that that is is a heavy weight to bear at times for these parents mm-hmm. and how do you see if you were to give some advice um to people employing people um who are looking after a neurodivergent child mm-hmm. or managing someone what would your number one piece of advice be to those employers or those managers ask them what they need ask them what what would be supportive for them and I, I I know there there is going to be a tiny fraction of people who may take advantage of it the majority of people are not going to mm-hmm. you know if you are if you are flexible and you give them what they need they will give you that back a hundred times over um, and I know working in the school I had a fabulous head teacher mm-hmm. who every time I said I'm really sorry but I have an appointment I'm going to have to go to she was like go go but that mm-hmm. made me go I need to work extra hard in here mm-hmm. I want to give back I want to do my best when I'm at work and on certain days I could stay a little bit later or do something a little bit different because I so appreciated that flexibility mm-hmm. I was willing to you know do what I needed to do to to kind of um, you know do the best that I could in that work and I think most people would be like that mm-hmm. I don't think there's many people that would take advantage of that so if if you're managing someone 
you know, give them that that time that they need. Let them um, tell you what what they need, and I think you will gain a lot of flexibility and whatever they can give back because of that. Mm-hmm. I think it will mean the world to them when you have that mm-hmm. flexibility for your family that you need. Mm-hmm. I think you're willing to give back many times over. Mm, so, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what about to the parents themselves? What would you say your number one tip is for like managing that juggle, mm-hmm. making the impact in your in in the workplace, in your career, in your business yeah. that you want to, whilst at the same time being the parent that you want to be? My tip that I would say off the top of my head would be look after yourself, and I think that's the most difficult thing to do as well, because <laughs> when you're juggling and you're juggling work and ch- children and all the rest of it, mm-hmm. but I think like we've talked uh, talked about before, find those tiny moments no matter how tiny they are something for you something that keeps you going so that you're able to be the person at work that you want to be and the person at at home that you want to be and another thing I would say is ask for help Mm. don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help it can be really difficult and I know often when I have initial conversations with people you can feel their embarrassment or I don't know what it is but it's it's just such a, a difficult thing to tell other people how much you're struggling mm-hmm. um, but there's many other people in that position mm-hmm. so reach out for help get support for yourself so that you can be there for your child don't feel like you have to do it all alone and, and do mm-hmm. it all you know do what you can do to to make it work mm. Okay, that sounds that sounds great. <laughs> um, so sadly, that's all we've got time for today. So um, finally, if people want to know more about the kinds of things we've been talking about today, where can they find you? So we are Complex Connections, and that's with double N-E-X in the connections. I always have to say that because <laughs> that confuses people. Um, our website is um, uh, Complex Connections. Um, we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, you know, people are welcome to contact me any of those places. I always, um, I will never, ever be a hard seller as to what we have or mm-hmm. anything like that. I like to have an initial conversation, and mm-hmm. if we're not the right place to support you, hopefully I know somewhere else that would offer you some support mm-hmm. um but i think you know just reach out just mm-hmm. speak to other people going through similar things and hopefully that would be you know support in itself even mm-hmm. within it without or anything else um, but hopefully we can offer people some understanding of what's actually going on and ways to to deal with that and work through it Okay, that's great. So I'll put those, um, you send me them, I'll put the links into the show notes Will for do. people. Um, so if they can hunt you out, um, okay. because like I say, you may made such a big difference to me. So thank you for making a big difference to me, but also thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lovely chat. Speak soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you want more information around this topic or details on the ways I support individuals in the workplace and help businesses to be more ADHD friendly, please go to ADHDimpact.com or follow me, Becca Brighty, on LinkedIn.